Hey, I'm Mary. And I'm Jake. And you're listening to The Fly Angle, the official RDU Airport podcast. another episode of the fly angle last episode we talked to tsa's andrew small very informative interview right jake yeah it was great to talk to him um they've got a lot going on these days don't they they do they really do and i know they're recruiting recently i was just in the terminals and i saw that they had some signs up there so um it's good to see people returning and giving them a little more business right yeah (laughs) that's truly it too if you are uh looking to get into the aviation business TSA wants your number and they want to talk to you. Yes. So give them a call. (laughs) Yes. Well, each of the past three months has been the biggest months in terms of passenger volume since the pandemic started. We are seeing people here. It's a beautiful thing. Don't call it a comeback. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It is really exciting to see so many people come back each month. We keep, you know, pushing that number higher, really closer, more quickly than we anticipated, as we've said in previous episodes to recovering to those 2019 employment numbers. We're not quite there yet. Uh, you know, it's still mostly leisure flyers. Right. Uh, the, the, the business traveler has, by and large, not come back the way that leisure flyers have. And, we, you know, we kind of get that. If you Even if you haven't been to an airport in a while, you probably are itching to go on a vacation. I know that I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that's, that's part of it, right? Absolutely. You know, summer, summer travel season, there are a lot of leisure travelers as well. And you may be surprised. Don't be sweating when you get to TSA and stressing yourself out. Make sure you get here early because we're starting to see those wait times again that we saw before the pandemic. Yeah, it was, it was a disorienting sight to see the early morning bank i think it was last week we had a line all the way to the front door of the airport which we haven't seen that right in more than a year normally you don't like a long line but you know it was it was strangely cathartic to see it for me i guess but and those <laughs> exactly. lines move quickly because tsa is is very good at their jobs so. they are a lot going on though what's new at rdu we've got american airlines they launched year-round service to nashville beginning june 2nd seasonal to orlando and destin florida beginning june 5th all these new markets that are coming online are kind of leisure forward markets, right? So a lot of a lot of sunny Florida. So the seasonal service to Orlando, um, I think Orlando is now served by either five. I think it's six airlines now from RDU, which is which is bonkers. Wow. Um, Destin is a new market for us. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually just went there. I think uh, probably a little over a month ago. Had a great time. So Americans flying that now. We're excited about that. The Nashville service is year round. I know a lot of people are very excited about that, and we're excited because we love the the. The B&A team, they're always great to work with. Mm-hmm. American Airlines also announced two times daily year-round service to Tampa, which makes them the RDU's fifth carrier offering that service. And that begins, I believe, in November. That's right. That's right. And so the hockey fan in me is sad oh. in Tampa because they just they just bested my Carolina Hurricanes. But Tampa is a wonderful city. And as you can tell by five carriers flying there, uh, there's a lot of pent-up demand to go to the west coast of Florida. Uh, Sunshine State, here we come. (laughs) Yeah, I love Tampa. The food there is wonderful. Best Cuban sandwich you'll ever have, right? Great live music. What a great city. So, yeah, we're really pumped about that one for sure. Yes, also Sun Country extended their inaugural season. So, yeah, let's talk a little bit about this. So, behind the scenes, RDU developed a new air service incentive program for all airlines uh, who are eligible. Sun Country was our first eligible airline to take advantage of this program. 
uh, and and them ex extending their inaugural service uh, to MSP through I believe it's uh, post Labor Day um, is really exciting for a number of reasons. Not the least of which is that it kind of shows that the incentive program is working. So we're really hopeful that that means that you you'll see that that success replicated with other airlines and new routes. Hopefully some new dots on the map. Yes. But um, West Sun Coast, Country, West Coast, West yeah, Coast. <laughs> uh, Sun Country has been incredible to work with. They're really enjoying being at RDU so far. And we're enjoying having them. Yeah, it's our 11th airline. I think we shared that before. And, you know, again, the, they're like that, that high point for us as we consider growth through the pandemic. You know, not a lot of airports saw an airline added, but we're pleased at RDU that Sun Country considered us. And it, again, speaks to this region and growth and recovery. So that's exciting. Do you think there's more on the horizon? I do. And, you know, we just heard as well that um, another of our recent airline additions, so Spirit, came to us just a couple of years ago. They just announced that they're going to be uh, adding service to Miami in November as well. So that's exciting. Love to see these newer airline partners investing in RDU and in general, just, just thriving. These, these guys are, you know, really in a growth mode. I know that their service announcement to Miami was to many markets, RDU included. So it's a really exciting time for them too. Yes, it is. Jake, did we receive any airmail? We did, we did. So let's let's dive into that. Today's airmail question comes from Ben C, who asks, with companies like Apple and Google calling the Research Triangle region a hub, how could this impact the airport? And would we need to speed up the Vision 2040 master plan to match the region's growth? What are some destinations that could be impacted or introduced because of this chain of events? That's an awesome question, Ben. It's a big question, Ben. Yeah. I actually was just reading in the Triangle Business Journal, the CEO of McKinney, who is an ad agency all over the country, but they're actually from Durham, North Carolina. But this column was basically saying that the Research Triangle was staking its claim as the idea region and the idea economy. And obviously, you know, Apple, Google, Facebook, all of these companies from Silicon Valley, a lot of these companies also have a presence in Austin, Texas. But here, you know, it, it is true. We are really not short on ideas. We've got a lot of them. Right. And those companies are attracted by the talent that's here. It's call it, you know, because of our university presence, all these other things, just people coming here for just the, the cost of living and the, the quality of life that comes with living in Raleigh or Durham or Cary or Chapel Hill. So let's get to the question of how this could impact the airport. Well, it absolutely can so there's a couple of ways that it could, right? One is the Vision 2040 master plan, as, as Ben mentioned. The master plan really kind of has a pretty simple methodology to it, and that's just it goes by enplanement thresholds. So enplanements are the most important metric to somebody like an airport authority. Those are the people who are departing from this market to another airport. Right. Um, and those are valuable because they're checking in here, they're um, parking here. They're leaving. They're they're eating and dining and shopping here. They're spending their money in this economy as well as the tourist destination or the the, the business destination. So enplanements are the metric, and really all of the major capital projects in our twenty forty program are driven by threshold start dates. So it's not a date on the on the calendar so much as it is when we hit. 
15 million passengers, or at least when we were supposed to. Right. And if you and if you're listening right now, turn your speakers up because our guest in a few minutes, I think, is going to get into a little bit about what you're talking about, Jake, in terms of strategic planning and flexing up and down or scaling up and down according to those numbers. So, so don't right. go anywhere. That's right. So that's actually the metric. It's not a date on the calendar. It's actually more around the activity of, of passengers in the airport. Right. The other part, and so this this is a good question when it comes to companies like Apple and Google who have a strong presence in Silicon Valley is a great, let's let's use that anecdote. How are destinations served influenced by the big employers coming into this market? And they, they absolutely are. We had on a previous episode, Kenneth Strickland, our air service director, and he kind of pointed out something really pertinent uh, to this discussion, which is basically that the metric that they use is called passengers per day each way. And so both the airport authority as well as the airlines are using that passengers per day each way to understand quantitatively where they need to stand up new air service. So for example, if they, and I'm just gonna pull this number out of the sky here, but let's say they had 150 people flying per day each way between Raleigh and San Jose, California, which is uh, kind of a uh, much talked about Mm -hmm. potential destination from RDU. Uh, and certainly with, with these tech companies, right. it would be right in their backyard. Um, they're gonna, the airlines and the, the air service planners are going to use those, that number to, to really inform where they, where they send their service next. Right. So those are the two, those are the two magic bullets, right? Like it's, it's mm-hmm. passengers per day each way. It's number of emplanements driving capital projects. In that way, our growth is kind of predictable. Right. Um, you you know we don't want to just make a decision purely qualitatively. We want to really inform it and know that we're spending money efficiently before we put shovels down. Right. And you might recall prior to the pandemic, we were having to expedite several projects that were a part of Vision 2040. So part of your question was, might we have to do that again as well? And one of the things that our air service director, Kenneth, also talked about was that forecasting and the predicting. And he does a phenomenal job. He collaborates with SAS. And we also are in touch with our business partners in the community, the CVBs, the chambers, so that they understand the connectivity that RDU provides. And they're allowed to market that. And, and talk to future businesses that are considering coming to this market or expanding in this market. So it's a hand-in-hand um, relationship that I think really benefits all of us. And I think that we're going to see that growth happen probably faster than we anticipated. But again, we're going to talk about that with our, our guests today and, and how we plan and how we're strategic about that. So stick around for that, Ben. And thank you for that question. Good stuff. Mary, you want to uh, get in some headlines? Let's do it. Jake, with vaccinations on the rise, more people are flying and restrictions on masks and social distancing are relaxing. However, at the airport, you're still required to mask up through September 13th. That's right. So this is actually the federal mask mandate from TSA that has been extended. And so we've got a lot of questions about this. Certainly people who haven't flown in a while are understandably trying to wade through a lot of regulations, whether it's here or even at their destination about like where they can go if they have to wear a mask, those kind of things. At the airport, the TSA's federal mask mandate supersedes any other, like the any state order. So if the state is saying you don't have to wear a mask when you go to a restaurant or out in public, that's one thing. But at the airport, the TSA's mandate, which runs through September 13th, is kind of the law of the land. Yep. And before we forget, you still have to wear your mask when visiting the airport. 
the TSA has updated it to only refer to indoor facilities such as the terminals. You won't need your mask when outdoors or in an open air space. So all of that said, just make sure you bring your mask with you when you're flying this summer. And if you're flying from RDU and you forget yours, head down to our information desk where we have some free packs available for you. So a new coalition of businesses in the Triangle are working together to encourage people to get back to flying. The Triangle Takeoff Coalition is backed by recognizable companies like Novo Nordisk, Lenovo, Cree, Fujifilm Diosynth, and many more. This is so exciting to talk about. I literally get goosebumps every time I think about what's happening with this coalition. Jake, I'm I'm just so So excited. This is something that started during the pandemic in 2020. These companies kind of organically came together, particularly the communications staff. So this is our department. Um, Mary and I work in communications here at the airport. And a lot of these companies, so Lenovo, Novo, Cree, all sorts of companies from their communications leaders would get together and say, how do we get people back to flying? How do we make sure that people know that it's safe to fly uh, when you take the proper precautions, how do we get those business travelers back to the skies and putting their, the, the line we like to use is putting their business in a real cloud. So, <laughs> so out of that has been born a, a new advertising campaign. We're calling it Carry On. It will be in print. It'll be on TV. You can find the Carry On TV spots airing near you if you live in the Triangle. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a kickoff event that we were really excited to have a lot of VIPs out, names you'd recognize. We had some cool people in the TV spot, recognizable yeah. celebrities even who mm-hmm. from the area, mm-hmm. um, all saying the same thing. Fasten your seatbelts, put your tray table in the upright position, and we're ready to fly again. A lot of thought leadership went into this group, and kudos to them. You know, our, our VP, Crystal Feldman, worked so strategically to bring thought leaders together and to be so intentional about, you know, considering the airport's role in recovery, considering the stakeholders that play a part in that. So do check it out. You can follow the coalition at Triangle Takeoff on socials and go to triangletakeoff.com for more information and to check out some of the cool videos. Definitely do it. You'll, you'll, love, you'll love what we've put together. Yes. Also, RDU is working to restore various aspects of daily operation levels to match the surge in passenger volume. The airport recently reopened Park Economy 3 to ensure that visitors have ample choices when they're parking and they arrive at the airport. We had kind of a moment of realization as we approached the Memorial Day holiday weekend, which is a busy travel week for us. We were getting perilously close to full 100% capacity in our parking deck. RDU, like a lot of other airports around the country, had consolidated a lot of its operations, including parking. So here locally, we were only parking people in the deck. So that's Park RDU Central and Park RDU Premier. All of our remote lots were closed. We uh, very quickly had uh, kind of a tiger team of um, multiple departments get together and we opened Park Economy 3 just to make sure that guests always had a place to park first, but but second, also had a full range of options. So we have guests who they want that budget option. Park Economy 3 is great for them. We also have guests who want to make sure that they have like a premium product, and, and Park RDU Premier is great for that. We have put mm-hmm. all of our lowest daily rates online at parkrdu.com, and there's a, there's a great promo going with Premier. We're trying to encourage people to try that product. Partially because it's great. I love, it's, I love it is excellent. There. You can yeah. literally park and walk right over into the terminal. So really, what's next? We, we're continuing to open other operation, daily operational uh, aspects of the airport that have been closed for some time. 
One of those is Observation Park. We are really, really excited about this. And we know that um, the only people more excited than us are you. <laughs> exactly. We have a lot of inquiries about it. <laughs> uh, I see them every day. Yes. Um, we are doing some some necessary maintenance on Observation Park with the, the aim to open it um, as soon as we can. We don't have a date on it yet, but hopefully by the time you're listening to this podcast or soon thereafter, we will be announcing a date for opening Observation Park. And if you're listening to this and Observation Park is already open. Welcome back. Welcome back. Have a great time. <laughs> you know, if you've ever been around the airport, you've probably seen the vast amounts of technology just in the terminals or on the airplane that all work together to make your flight happen on any given day. Raleigh-Durham Airport Authority's Information Services Department is behind a lot of that work. And with us today, we have RDU's Senior Vice President and Chief Information and Strategy Officer, Chuck McFall. Chuck, welcome to the podcast. Uh, good morning, Mary and Jake. And thank you for the opportunity. So Chuck oversees all of our information technology services activities, uh, including planning, delivery, and operations of the airport's information technology infrastructure, and even our business systems. He also provides leadership and visioning for RDU's strategic and business planning initiatives. So let's go ahead and kick it off. Chuck, your career has taken you all over from senior leadership at the TVA to executive development at MIT. Wow. How did you arrive to aviation? How did you arrive to RDU? <laughs> wow, this this could be a long story, uh, but hopefully it'll be somewhat entertaining. So Spent 31 years at TVA and was very blessed with a very diverse career that, and I like to say really I had three careers at TVA. First one was in nuclear construction and I had the opportunity to work as a test engineer. I worked at eventually for one of, at one of our nuclear plants as the manager of integrated planning and scheduling. And then I moved over to fossil operations, which was our coal-fired plants as a project manager, and then later in resource and outage planning there. And then finally, the last third of my career was actually in the information technology division. So the common thread to all three careers was the technology. Each one of them had, had a technology touch point. So TVA was very good to, good to me. And But, you know, as all things, you get to a point in your career that it just wasn't fun anymore. So wasn't having fun, looking for change, started kind of looking, seeing what else was out there. And during lunch one day, I found this position. And at the time, it was Deputy Airport Director of Information Technology at Raleigh-Durham Airport. So called my wife and said, you're not going to believe what I just applied on. She said, what? And I said, a CIO position at an airport. Long pause. And then she says, <laughs> you don't know anything about airports. And she was absolutely correct. But I've had a philosophy during my career that basically technology is technology and work tends to be work. And that served me very well. Plus, I had a passion for aviation. And uh, so three interviews later, I started my career here at the Authority. And it's been everything I was looking for. There's been challenge. There's been change. It's been very rewarding. I've got to see the evolution of technology. And then I like to say after this past year with us dealing with the pandemic, I probably have seen the best uh, of the airport environment and probably also the worst. So it's, it's been very good. And, you know, one of my philosophies has always been no matter what I do, I try to become what I'll call a student of the business. 
and learn as much as I can, educate myself in the business. And I took that approach here at the airport. Uh, I completed a certificate program from ACI in airport business operations and then completed the certified member as well as the accredited airport executive program through AAAE. And I got to say, those, those have been tremendous. They've helped me thoroughly as far as the understanding of the business goes. And looking at the AAE certification, I have to say it's probably been one of the highlights of my entire career to achieve that. That's great. Wow. Wow. Very impressive. And for those of us around the airport that are familiar with that, a very rigorous program. So I can imagine what that entailed. As Jake mentioned, it takes a lot of technology to run an airport each day, but most people would be surprised just how much of the entire travel experience relies on it. What are the biggest components of that, Chuck? Gosh. <laughs> so, you know, I like to look at basically the IT component, and we think it's the foundation for everything that goes on at the airport. And, you know, virtually everything runs on our information technology environment. And at RDU, we've, we've probably got close to 100 unique systems. And some of those are basically integrated with others. Some of those are cloud-based. Some of those are on-premise but all are very, very important and all have their own unique role here at the airport. You know, probably one of the biggest components we have is what we consider to be our network, the internet, and our communications infrastructure, because virtually everything is dependent on that. And as organizations such as RDU and other businesses become more and more cloud-based, more and more internet dependent, as far as their function goes, it just becomes increasingly important. And you know, high availability, reliability is a must in order for us to keep our systems up and running. We also have several critical systems such as our common use platform and our terminals. We have a parking and revenue control system. Let me pause you for one sure. second for, for those that don't understand what a common use program would be. Okay, very good question. So common use is the platform that the customers interface with in a terminal. It's the check-in, it's the kiosk they interface with, but it gives us the ability to actually optimize the physical asset of the terminal in that we can move an airline from gate to gate. We can move an airline from ticket location to ticket location. Everything is based on IP or internet protocol, but giving us that efficiency and that effectiveness, allowing us to move things around, it actually postpones a lot of capital investment we may have to do immediately. So that's one of the biggest pluses as far as the common use system goes. I mentioned the parking and revenue control system, so that's exactly that. It's how do you get into our parking garage? How do you get in our parking lot? How do we receive payment? How do we manage the revenue? Also, we have security and access control systems, which is physical security uh, to the facility. And then you've got our business systems, our back office systems that no one sees, but it's what we interface with day in, day out for basically employee productivity. So we've, you know, we've got a very, very robust, what I'll consider to be a system portfolio, and every system in there is very critical to operations of the airport. Wow. It is, it is, we always kind of joke on the podcast about it's running the airport is kind of like running a small city, and you, you figure all of the, the technology systems that go into that, that's, that's a lot. <laughs> so I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a tech geek, um, you know, I drive a Tesla, 
rely on my phone probably too much. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We know that aviation is the front line for a lot of technology innovation. Um, What are some of those next-gen solutions for airports like RDU that, that you're most excited about? So probably the thing that excites me the most is the notion of this frictionless passenger experience or touchless technologies. Uh, and, and, you know, imagine coming to the airport and starting with the experience at the parking garage and never interfacing with anything, never touching anything, possibility maybe not even interfacing with a person transversing the entire experience from the parking garage through the terminal, through check-in, through bad drop, through security, maybe even concessions, all the way up to boarding the plane. It's that frictionless experience. Uh, I think that's very exciting. And, you know, it sounds like something in the future, but the reality is we have frictionless experience right now in our parking system. So a passenger literally can book online, get an online reservation to one of the parking lots to the garage. And when they get here through technology such as LPR, which is license plate recognition, they can enter the garage, they can go on their trip, they come back, and when they exit, camera reads the license plate, the gate magically goes up, and they haven't touched anything. So it's a very good experience for our customers. So imagine the same principles in the terminal. You know, we're not quite there yet, but in the very near future, I could see the technology evolving such that the passenger can come in, they can use their mobile device to interface with what the check-in kiosk is now. They can print their boarding pass, they can print their bag tags. At some point, they'll actually be able to do self-bag drop. Then as biometrics continue to facial recognition and other methodologies continue to evolve, we hope that they'll be able to transverse the security checkpoint. Again, everything will be based on biometrics and it will be a frictionless or touchless experience. We could see once they get airside, if they decide to, you know, enjoy our concessions, our retail, uh, our food and beverage, there could be the experience there where they enact payment for whatever services they may get and they never touch anything. And then a lot of airports have already implemented the concept of an e-gate, which basically it's electronic gate to board the plane. And again, through biometrics and facial recognition, the gate opens and they board the plane. So, you know, it, it, it kind of sounds like the Jetsons in a way. The, <laughs> the reality is there are pilots happening all over the country, all over the world. And it's just a matter of time before you know, it will be domestic and Raleigh and Durham will certainly benefit from, from the evolution of the technology. A uh, couple of other things that excite me when you think about the IoT, the Internet of Things, with devices that have sensors and softwares and other technologies embedded in them and for the purpose of sharing data with other systems and components. Uh, I think that's extremely exciting. I think that fuels artificial intelligence and you know several things that we can do in that space to benefit uh, the airport. And again, that's not in the so distant future. You know, it's, we're on the verge of it being reality. The other thing I'm real excited about, and we, we actually are implementing this now, we're probably in year two of an implementation of a program, which is our BI program or business intelligence. And through that, we're extracting data from various systems. We're bringing it to what we'll call a storefront, 
where there are various dashboards there that provide what I'll call one source of informational truth. So if you want to see how we're doing in any particular system, you go to the portal, you go to you know, what I'll call the storefront, the dashboards there, and it really provides real-time information and data for our leadership team as far as decision-making and awareness goes. So a lot going on in that space, and I get very excited about the technology and what's coming. Yeah. It's that, fascinating. It really is. Uh, and, you know, I think something like the past 12 months of life at the airport in a post-pandemic world has really kind of made made it really clear, like, the functional benefits of things like touchless technology. You know, before it was kind of, for me at least personally, it was very, like, you know, hypothetical in nature in my brain. And, and now I totally get the benefit of it, and I actively would seek that out as a passenger. So that's that's really neat. Yeah, absolutely. With airlines and companies operating in the terminal and a lot more, as you've outlined, there has to be a lot of interdependency to make it all work correctly. So Chuck, how does an airport authority like RDU approach that challenge? Another great question. So I use an analogy, you know, for years we've said in retail and restaurants, there's three keys to success and it's location, location, location. And the interaction that we have with our business partners, with our airlines from an IT perspective, there's three things, and it's communications, communications, communications. You know, RDU and our business partners, obviously, with different systems that have to interact and integrate, uh, there are multiple touch points, and we're very, very dependent upon each other for success, and that's success of business partner as well as RDU. You know, when the customer comes in, if one of the airlines is actually having a problem with one of their softwares, it's not the airline problem. It's the airport's problem. So literally, we are joined at the hip. And what becomes critical is the continuous communications, the collaboration, and the planning that goes into what I'll call patches, what I'll call implementation of new systems, any revisions, any changes, process changes, that type thing. And, you know, we really have to be close to each other. We have to be communicating so that we understand the technical business requirements as we plan. Otherwise, we're impacted downstream. Possibly they're impacted, we're impacted when we try to implement, uh, you know, what I'll call some downstream surprises. So it's truly a customer-supplier relationship that makes this work. And at any point in time, we may be the supplier, we may be the customer. Same thing with the airlines and the other business partners. The roles really change depending on the situation. So we have to be focused on service to each other, and that's really the secret to success in this area. I couldn't agree more. And I've, I've seen it in action. I've seen your team in action. I've seen our business partners collaborate very well with the authority. And it's just, like I said, I just am fascinated by how this all comes together. When you think about how many operations are taking place at any given time across this entire campus. Yeah. Changing gears a little bit. Mm -hmm. I've seen enough James Bond movies to know that IT plays a pretty central role in security at the airport, too. Um, from what you're able to tell us, can you walk us through that a little bit? Okay, uh, sure. At, at, at obviously at a very high level, but IT is a very, very critical component to what I'll call our security posture here at RDU. 
And it ranges from the systems that we have in place that control the physical component, the access to our facilities, as well as the secure areas on the airport, you know, airside, obviously, from a terminal. So that's, you know, that's kind of one area, and their systems control that. But there's the things you don't see, and that's the cybersecurity program. So, you know, both the physical and the cyber components, very, very critical to the safe operation of the airport and, and for us securing our assets, whether they're physical or informational. Uh, from an IT organization, cybersecurity is a top priority for us. It's in the business plan, it's in our tactical plan. We put a priority on it. And and obviously, you know, from recent events, you know, we're pretty near and, and close to the Colonial Pipeline, the ransomware hack that just occurred, right. uh, you know, and, and others, and you look at the question is, how do you protect the authority? How do you protect the airport? How do you ensure that's not going to happen to us? Well, you can never be 100% sure it's not going to happen, but we're taking all the precautions we possibly can and that we take a very, very layered approach to our cyber program. There are multiple systems that interact together, and there are multiple layers the bad guys would have to go through to actually penetrate and create damage for us. So that's one end of it. Then on the other side, we've got multiple control points. You know, we do external penetration testing. Uh, not too long ago, we did a Department of Homeland Security assessment. Uh, we're in contact with, you know, local, uh, local entities, industry entities such as ACI, you know, cybersecurity experts from across the country. So we're constantly in a lessons learned mode and then training. You know, one of the fun things to do here at the airport is we go fishing. And, you know, we have... <laughs> Something tells me you're not talking about what's you. baiting We've seen those so, fishing attacks. So I, I kind of <laughs> smile when I say, let's go fishing. But we'll actually have a fishing campaign uh, for the employees here at the airport where we put something out just to see if they're going to click on it. And are they going to open something? And then it's like, aha, we got gotcha. you. Gotcha. Which so it, it's which, really a whole team approach then. It it's is. not just your department. It's really everybody at the airport who's really it, involved at that it point. It is everybody at the airport. And, Jake, that's a great lead-in because one, one of the aspects of our cyber program is one of the most important components is what we call our human firewalls. And that's the employees at the airport. Everything starts there. That's the first line of defense from a cyber standpoint. Chuck, one of the things that I observed about you very early on, um, I think it was during a training that you led, was your leadership acumen. And your role at RDU isn't just to lead the Department of Information Services. You're also in charge of the airport's strategic business planning. So this past year has been a truly historic moment for aviation, and I've seen you pivot very quickly. How do you plan for something like that? <laughs> wow. Can you plan? <laughs> you know, I'm going back to last summer, you know, and we're kind of working remote, doing the best we can with the pandemic. And, you know, we went into survival mode, which, you know, literally we had to revise the business plan. And, you know, in looking at it, it's impossible to totally plan for something like that. You know, that's something I hope we never have to experience again. Uh, you know, the impact of the pandemic or anything else, economic downturn, anything else. But we had to quickly react and we went into survival mode. We revised the business plan. We amended our budget. Uh, very, very quickly, as Jake knows. 
Uh, and Jake was, you know, part of the business planning team, and and we got through it quickly. You know, a very very robust and quick team effort. But I think one of the things that helps us in that, although you really can't plan for that, is the thoroughness and the rigor of our typical business planning and budget cycle. You know, it literally we spend months. We spend months looking at our major expenditure plans, what's coming up. We go through review after review before we get to the projects list. And then we literally have a process with milestones that we follow to develop the budget and the business plan. And it's somewhat repetitive. And I really think the rigor that we put in that has allowed us to be successful. Additionally, once we get approvals, things aren't forgotten. You know, we go through additional planning, we go through monitoring of those strategic projects, the contracts, budget monitoring. So at any point in time, we know exactly where we are, what's in motion, what hasn't started. That lended itself very, very well to us going into survival mode. It's a team effort. The team came together when we went into survival mode to amend the budget, revise the business plan. And, you know, years ago, I guess going back to my career in scheduling and planning and project management, there's an adage that I like to quote, and it says, plans do not make people work. People make plans work. Mm -hmm. And I I think that that is the secret to success. Yeah. To your team's credit, it's definitely a group effort. But anytime I call your team, they're always so willing to jump right on whatever our issue is. And my son likes to call me a technology tornado. I don't think I'm that. (laughs) But your team always reassures me that I'm not and helps me very quickly. So kudos to your team and you for leading that effort. Yeah. And and I want to say thank you very much for that. Uh, In IS, we take a great deal of pride. We strive to be a service organization for the airport, for everyone at the airport, and maintain what I'll call that customer focus and customer service orientation. Something we're very proud of. So thank you very much. Chuck, what strategic projects at RDU are you most excited about in the years to come? So another great question, and I really appreciate that question. And my answer may surprise you a little bit since I'm the technology guy. You know, probably the project I'm most excited about, it's not its not technology, it's the runway project. It's the replacement oh, yeah. of 5-left-2-3-right. And, you know, completion of a new runway, you think of all the many, many downstream benefits that we're going to see from that. You know, it'll facilitate new projects at RDU. You know, it'll facilitate an expansion of the terminals, Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with that, you got new concessions, and obviously, you know, we're talking, you know, maybe five years in the future. So I can only imagine the evolution of new technologies that we'll be able to bring to bear at that point in time as new facilities are built. Chuck McFall, thanks again for joining us. Thank you again, Mary and, and Jake, both for the opportunity, and uh, I really appreciate it. And just guys, just keep up the great work for the airport. Thank you. Appreciate you, Chuck. All right. Thanks, as always, for listening to The Fly Angle. We love hearing from you and want to know what you'd like to hear about next. Drop us a line at communications at rdu.com, or you can always tweet at us via RDU Airport. We're on Instagram at flyrdu. Yes, it's amazing to see how passionate the triangle is about aviation, Jake. I'm loving the engagement. And as we start putting together the next episode, please do leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and share with your friends. Yeah, those reviews mean a lot. They do. We'll see you next time. See you guys.